0: Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles turned anywhere you want to, I don't care. I'll be there in a minute, probably. Have you ever noticed how people sometimes just label you? People's put labels on you. I've had people put this label on me before. I haven't had this label put on me, but maybe some of you have. Well, you're just too short. (laughs) I've wore this label. You're too fat. (laughs) Mark Lewis has wore this one a lot. I'm just too ugly. (laughs) He knows I'm kidding right there. Yeah. And I wore this one a lot. I'm just not smart enough. (laughs) Or how about this? I'm just not not pretty enough. You know what? You're just not good enough. It's amazing that when people say these things about you, you wear them. You just wear them. And you think about them. And you think about how you're too short, or you're too fat, or you're ugly, or you're just this and that. I'm just not enough. And all you think about is what you're not. I'm here today to tell you what you are you are limitless with God, you're limitless like I said in my prayer. God created and designed you to win. Talks about it in 1 Corinthians. God designed you to win. Have you ever noticed that when you find yourself maybe in a hard time or situation, you either shut down or you just turn inwardly? You say, well, Pastor Craig, are you going to preach all these things on you? Yeah, I am. Until so they fall off, eventually they fall off, but you know, because this is the way we go through life. And most of you right now are having a hard time not looking at all these labels. And that's the way it is in your life, too. You're not hearing the word, you're not hearing what God's telling you, you're not hearing what, what the man of God's telling you, you're just looking at all the labels that you got on you that people have put there. You know, it's human nature to turn inwardly when you have an outward problem. We examine ourselves when we get in trouble. We try to figure it out, you know, inwardly a situation that is affecting us psychologically. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, if I'm not careful, all that situations and circumstances cause me just to shut out everything and everyone in my life. That's the enemy schemes. Just like these labels are his schemes. This is part of the enemy schemes. If you look throughout the Bible, when God's people found themselves in trouble, they would go and usually find a cave to get in and hide. And it's still the same way today. We find caves of isolation. We find caves of depression. Sometimes when we get hurt or something happens, we have a tendency just to retreat and find a place just to live isolated from the pain of that situation. Today I want to show you, or tonight I want to show you a couple of dangers of living in isolation. In Joshua 10, Joshua defeated five armies. And the kings of those five armies go into hiding. Look at Joshua chapter 10. Verses 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16. Then Joshua returned and all Israel went with him to the camp of Gilgal. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Maccad. So when Joshua heard they hid in a cave, he commanded a stone to be rolled over the cave entrance. Look at verse 18. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. Here's what I want you to see tonight, church. That hiding place has now been transformed going prison. If you retreat and you go in seclusion and you hide in a place long enough, it eventually will become your personal prison. We all know what it's like to be hurt. I, we all know what it's like to go through rejection. And the enemy wants you to take that rejection and instead of dealing with it, he wants you to hide in a cave of insecurity. And so if you don't deal with it and you choose to stay offended or you choose to stay hurt, then that hiding place becomes more than a hiding place emotionally for you. What it becomes, it becomes a personal prison for you. So, once it became their prison, Joshua calls them out and hangs all five of those kings. Now, here's where it gets a little weird. After he hung them, he took their bodies and threw them back into the the same cave they were hiding in. Make a note right here. If you need a sticky note, let me know. I got a few. If you don't come out of the place of hurt, it's going to become your prison. And if you stay there long enough, it'll eventually become a grave. Took them and threw them back in that cave after they killed them. If I don't let go of what happened to me, my cave becomes my grave. Write that down. If I don't let go of what happened to me, my cave is going to become my grave. If you carry unforgiveness or an unforgiving attitude, then it creates an unforgiving heart. It will become a grave to God's plan and God's purpose for your life. It becomes a grave in your relationships. It becomes a grave to your dreams. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18. I think you got the visual. I'm going to take them off now. 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 3. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Okay, at this particular time, Jezebel and Ahab were killing all the prophets. So Obadiah hid a hundred of them in a cave. Elijah shows up and says, what are you doing in the cave? Now, look at verse 4 and 7 of 1 Kings 18. For so it was, While Jezebel masquered the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. Verse 7. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord Elijah? Here's what I want you to see. I want you to look at Elijah's attitude here. He asked, in a time when sin is rampant in our nation, where are the preachers? And they were like, shh, they're in a cave. Need to understand, and that is, a silent preacher is no better than a dead one. And we got too many preachers candy-coating the Word of God to their sanctuaries on Sunday. And like Manny said, sometimes we need to get our toes stepped on. God didn't call me just to speak All good and everything's going to be hunky-dory in your life. Sometimes God calls us to speak into your life, even though it may hurt a little bit. See, we can't afford to be so diplomatic that we're not willing to disturb a generation by preaching the truth. And I'm afraid that's where a lot of churches have come to. And I love my brothers in the Lord, and I pray for them. But I'll tell you what, you won't find candy-coating preaching. In this pulpit. And that might be why we're not as large as I want to be yet, but that's okay. I will take, I will take speaking the word and the truth over numbers any day. Elijah's like. Y'all can stay in the cave if you want to, but God hasn't called me to live in a cave. I'm confronting Ahab. He confronts Ahab and says, Meet me on Mount Carmel, brother. 400 prophets of Baal go to Mount Carmel and Elijah prays and God sends fire which consumed the altar and destroyed the false prophets and started a revival in the nation. So think about this. A cave can be an attitude and a cave can be intimidating. Those prophets were fearful and intimidated by Jezebel and Ahab. Church, listen. God is telling us to stop living in caves of fear, worry, and doubt, and depression, and all addiction—you can you can name all kinds of things—because that's where the church, for the most part, is this day and time. God wants—we did. I made a few of my own. Because if we don't come at them, they're going to become a prison, and that prison's going to become what—a grave. Moses was called to bring God's people out of Egypt when he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite. Moses gets involved and accidentally, whoops, kills the Egyptian and was shoved out into the wilderness where he lived in a cave. Now, watch this. After 40 years, not four months, 40 years. After 40 years, he says, I've tried, I've failed, I'm done. Look at Exodus chapter 2. Verse 21. Then Moses was content. Everybody said the word content. Moses was content. Then Christians became content. And Moses was content to live with the man, and he, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. He was content. After 40 years of shepherding, he gave up on his call, he gave up on his purpose, and he became content. How many know contentment can become an evil curse word for a Christian? I remember when I was a young man got saved when I was 12 years of age. Been playing drums since I was five years, three to five years of age. I can't remember when I started. I was a little kid. And I became content with playing drums in the church. I remember at 13, God called me to ministry. But I became content with just playing drums. That's my gift. That's what I can do. And did you know that if I would have stayed in my contentment I never would have broke out no pun intended to join the power team and break bricks around the world and see millions of people give their heart to Jesus. Nothing that I did except get out of being content. Don't get content of where you're at. Spiritually physically physically Job wise, don't become content. I think if there ever was such a thing as a Christian cuss word, it would be content. Listen, you can't afford to accept a life of contentment because when you accept being content, you don't move and you stop. Let somebody else do it. I'm tired. Guess what? We are too. I'm just fine to come to church, I don't need to get involved. Contentment will rob you Fight His battle. He said, I've tried to bring unity. I've tried to bring peace. Nothing happened. How many have said this? I've tried this, God. I've tried this. And nothing's happened. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I've tried it. Nothing's happened. But right before that cave became a grave to His purpose, God lit up a bush. He sent a fire and purged His spirit. I'm telling you, church, it's time to get out of the cave of failure and the cave of mediocrity. Quit being content. Some of us need to get out of the cave, I'm going to look down when I say this, of unforgiveness. Listen, you're called to greater things. Don't isolate yourself and live less than what God has planned for you. Talks about in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. What about that do we not get? Hope, future, prosperous. I want me some of those three things. I want to go there, I want to experience that stuff. You're called to those things. Don't live less than God has planned for you. And and listen, I I love this area. I've been here 40-something years. But Murray County is the the biggest apathetic place I've ever seen in my life. People get content. Well, my bills are paid. I got a roof over my head. Why should I strive to become any better? Why should I strive to have things any better? I don't know, maybe because God wants you to? Maybe because when you do, you're a lie to somebody else that hasn't got where you're at. Write this down. Caves empty out their occupants when Jesus shows up. Caves empty out when Jesus shows up. In John 11, Lazarus was bound up, dead for three days. Jesus speaks to the cave. says, Lazarus, come forth. We've all heard the joke, the reason he was so specific, because if he just said, come forth, the whole graveyard would have got up. Lazarus, come forth. Listen, it's time to come out of our past hurt. Come out of fear. Come out of intimidation. Come out of your labels of what people said about you. Do what God's called you to do. How many of you would be honest? You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. You're doing exactly what God called you to do. I am. I am the most happiest person in the world. And it's not because I've got a lot of money, because I don't. I'm the happiest person in the world because I'm doing what God called me to do. And I, I think I've told you this before, but I've had, when I was traveling with the power team, I've had opportunities to pastor churches when... When I would go there, 700 to up to 3,500 people in church. But God called me here. God called me to y'all, you all you hon, and God said, here. I tried to talk him out of it. One was in South Carolina at Myrtle Beach. I want to go there. I could pastor me some Myrtle Beach and play a lot of golf. But that's not where God called me. Here's what happens Happens to a lot of us. Sometimes we get to see things that we could have. But we get content with what we do have. And when we get content, we don't see that God is trying to bless us right there where we're at. And so God's fixing to explode this place. God's fixing to explode this area. It's going to be powerful. I, I, I believe that. I know, I, know, I know when God speaks to me. Because Jesus, Jesus has designed freedom for you. Jesus has the power to transform lives because Jesus didn't stay in the cave. He didn't stay in the tomb. When Jesus came out of the cave, out of the tomb, he had the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He had them. He had all the authority. That's why addiction can't hold you. He's got the keys to that. Your marriage doesn't have to be in bondage because somebody made a stupid decision. He's got the keys to that. See, the the enemy wants to keep you in a cave of bitterness, hurt, offense. I'll get them back one day and that's what you concentrate on all day long. I'll get them back one day. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. Jesus says, come out. He declares a new life for your life. It's an empty tomb. And the story of Gideon is crucial for us to understand here. Because God came to Gideon when he was in a cave. Gideon's like, I'm weak. I'm the weakest of my whole clan. Look at me. I'm not entering any bodybuilding contests. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, God. But, but God came to Gideon when he was in a cave. And that's what's so awesome about God. He doesn't wait until you get strong. He doesn't wait until you, quote, arrive to show you what he wants to do in your life. But take a nobody, a Gideon, a skinny young man, that Jesus says, Jesus you're a mighty man of valor. He's like, seriously? Because look at me. Are you looking at the same person? But see, what Gideon was doing is he kept looking at these that people had placed on him his whole life. And that's all he saw. I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough. Jesus doesn't wait until we have money or position. He tells us when we're in a dark cave, a weak place. He whispered to Gideon, "You are a mighty man of valor. The next time hell breaks through and breaks breaks loose in your life, and by the way, it will. Hell breaks loose a lot in your life. You ever notice that when you're Christian? Dear Lord, all hell's broke loose in my life. It happens a lot. You know why? Because you're a threat to the kingdom of hell. If the devil's not messing with you." That's when you better wake up. Because you may not be a threat to his kingdom. Ooh, it got quiet here. Yeah, it was real, girl. It was. Yes, it was. The next time hell breaks loose in your life, try this. Shout back. I got a word from heaven. I got a promise from heaven. Amen a valor. Hey, remember this, church. God doesn't address present pain he only speaks to future potential. Oh my goodness, I'll say that again. God doesn't address present pain. He just speaks to future potential. He sees what he sees you over here. You see you here. God sees you over here. The word says that Gideon sent all the men home that were afraid. There were 300 men with Gideon. God told Gideon, I want you to take a lamp, a glass pitcher, a torch of light, a trumpet, and surround the enemy. You get that? Lamp, Last picture, torch of light, trumpet, surround the enemy. God says, "When I tell you, I want you to break the glass, let the light shine, and blow the trumpet. And then I want you to shout, the sword of the Lord and Gideon." All right, let's look at it real quick. I got I got time. Judges 7:18. "When I blow the trumpet, the whole camp, and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Did you see the last part of that sentence? The sword of the Lord and Gideon. What do you have? A torch, a glass pitcher, and a trumpet. But God said there's going to be victory and it's going to come out of the cave. So we got a bunch of K people about to be coming out of what they've been hiding in. And God's going to show them victory by the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And here's how. Because the sword of God is a two-edged sword. It's two-edged. Now watch this. When it goes out of God's mouth, that's a sword with one edge. And what you declare by speaking the word. That's why it's so powerful to speak what God says. Gideon didn't have a sword. He had glass, a torch, a trumpet. He didn't have a sword. He had the word of God. If you're going to get out of the cave, you've got to speak what God says. When God speaks, it makes it a single edge. When you speak, it makes it a double-edged sword. It's pretty simple, church. If I quote the word, I'll see results. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As people will put it, you know, you see this on Facebook. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Change my mind. You see that posted on, maybe not that particular phrase, but they'll say something and say, change my mind. Because once you get that down, you can't change my mind. I know who I am in God. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Those aren't just good. God said it. And when I speak what God says, it becomes a two-edged sword. So you you need to get up every morning and say, I am more than a conqueror. Look at that mirror and say, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Today, whatever I touch, I will overcome. Today, whatever comes against me will fall on my right or my left hand side. It won't come against me or my family. Why? Because I am the righteousness of God. When you're in your darkest cave, that's when you need to declare. I'm coming out. God hasn't called me to have a spirit of fear. He's called me to higher ground. I have the sword of the Lord. Amen? Refuse to let the enemy contradict what God's saying. That's what he wants to do. See, there's power to get out of the cave when God's Word gets in your mouth. There's power. I'm going to be talking about this Sunday, change your words and change your life. Don't miss this Sunday. Change your words and you'll change your life. There's power to get out of the cave when God's Word gets in your mouth. For years, people have been held in hurt of past, you know, caves of past hurt isolation, non-trust. Maybe you tried, maybe you failed, you become content, you live in a cave of not enough. That's not God's will for you. God's will isn't for you to live in a cave of pain because sooner or later, the cave will become your grave. Your dreams, your calling will die in that cave. And the Lord is telling me to call out all the cave dwellers tonight here and watching online. Roll the stone away. Take those death clothes off. Step out of the cave. Put a smile on your, def- your face and declare, I will live and not die. Listen, I refuse to die in a cave the enemy has tried to put me in. Cave of bitterness, cave of addiction, cave of unforgiveness, cave of strife. You may say, well, I'm just never going to speak to anybody again. I'm just never going to trust anybody again. Listen, I'll call you out of that cave today. This is your day of deliverance. Well, why would you do that? Because everything God does, he uses people to do it through. And if you don't speak to anybody again, you don't trust anybody again, guess what? God can't bless you ever again. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of life, and he that believes in me shall never die. The cave can't can't hold you. And here's why. Because there's an empty cave in Jerusalem that declares, He's not here. He has risen from the dead. And the same spirit that lives inside of you lives inside of Jesus. Who's in the cave of past hurt? Who did not, maybe watching online, is in a cave of jealousy, a cave of comparison, a cave of gossip, a cave, oh, did I say that? Mm. A cave of resentment. A cave of compromise. That's it. I got four minutes to spare. Come out of your cave. Absolutely. Come out of your cave tonight. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe I was speaking to some people when I talked about coming out of the cave. Somebody here, you're in a cave of unforgiveness. You got cave, you're in a cave of... You just got hurt. You've been hurt in the past. You can't get over it. It's hard for you to trust again because of that hurt. Somebody here, you're dealing with jealousy. Maybe you're watching the line. You're, you're just dealing with jealousy. You can't get past it. It eats you up on the inside. Maybe you have. Maybe you're living in a cave of comparison. You just compare yourself to everybody else's life. And you're never enough Maybe you're here and you're living in a cave of gossip. You just can't close your mouth. You just got to talk about people. Listen, God God detests the gossip. Don't be a gossip. Maybe you have resentment. Maybe you're sitting here and you're in compromise tonight or watching online. Here's what I'm going to do. I've given you all the categories of the caves. If one of those fits you, just slip your hand up and put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. I just want to pray for you. Okay? Yeah. Honestly, I got my hand up too right now. Sometimes I live in a, a cave of comparison. I don't want to live there anymore. Father, you see every hand that has been raised. Lord, those who are watching online, you know what they're dealing with, Father. And Father, I pray right now that they come out of their cave. No longer will they be cave dwellers. They're going to leave the cave. They're going to be set free tonight. When they walk out of this room, it's like walking out of that cave. They're going to feel freedom. Lord, I ask that you just remove in Jesus' spirit from them the name of Jesus. That would try to bind them and try to hold them in Jesus' name. And God, all God's people said? Amen. Everybody say, tonight, I'm coming out. Out of the cave. And you fill in the blank of whatever that cave is. I hope, you ha- I hope you enjoyed tonight. I hope you got something out of this. Come back Sunday morning. And I'm going to teach you to change your words. You change your life. It's going to be good. You know why I know it's going to be good? Because I'm speaking about faith. That's why I know it's going to be good. All things that be not as though they were. God's going to, I was like, God, give me something good. God, that's why God, somebody asked me one time, how do you get your sermons? I get a title first. Dad just the opposite think Dad usually gets the whole sermon, then he gets a title. I get the title, and then I go from there. So I gave you the title, so hopefully God gives me some stuff to put with it. Okay? So maybe you'll stand up here and say, you know, change your words, change your life. God bless you. See you later. Maybe you're short. I don't know. It'll be good, though. Amen? We love you. God loves you. That's the way it's going to be. Thanks for being here. We'll see you later. Don't forget your kiddos if they're over in that building, okay? God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you later. 758, 759 on the money. Yes.